Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to share with you my friend, Michelle McCormick, who is the founder and CEO of Casting Coin. She's a fashion vet with an incredible wealth of experience about connecting people, fashion ideas, and now currencies. So we're very excited to hear more about her digital self journey and how that has changed over the course of her career and the impact on her personally as well. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> this is such a treat. I mean, it's just been so fun, you know, watching your where your journey has gone over this time. And I think for a lot of people, you know, just coming off of CES, there's just a big conversation. It's all around these cryptocurrencies. And I was so excited to see that you've gotten involved in them as well. Can you give us a little bit of a, a brief story around sort of what is Casting Coin and how you came right. upon this? Yes, sure. So Casting Coin is an Ethereum platform. We are on track to disintermediate the fashion industry, starting with models. I started uh, getting involved in, in cryptocurrency, actually, like honestly, maybe 2014 when I had a fashion blog. I've always been really into both fashion and tech. Um, I'm a fashion photographer, had a digital agency for a long time, fashion clients, Vogue, uh, Rag & Bone, uh, Rebecca Minkoff. And at the same time, I always kept this blog where I wrote about tech. 2013, 14, I wrote a blog post about Bitcoin. And um, I actually invested a little bit at the time, too. So I'm one of the lucky ones. Because I just thought it was really interesting. But that was back then. And I really didn't think about it for a long time. until. And I actually forgot I had the Bitcoin until June of this past year. And a friend's boyfriend is a programmer. And he told me about Ethereum. We were just having lunch one day. And I was like, what is Ethereum? And so, I, of course, I already knew about Bitcoin. And, and so when he explained Ethereum to me, the smart contracts, I, it instantly made sense to me. Um, it's not like when I explain, I speak a lot publicly about this right now. And um, most people, and, and I can say that confidently, most people have never, don't know the first thing about cryptocurrency. If they know anything, it's Bitcoin, especially in the past couple of months. And, and really, nobody knows about blockchain. And so when he talked to me about Ethereum and described the smart contract, I got it instantly. And I was like, oh, my God, that's going to change the world. And so I immediately started building a company with him called Secret City. And it was based on, I started this community when I was living in Boston a few years ago called Secret Boston. And it's like this really big community of 150,000 millennials. Um, we have a thousand ambassadors. It's actually still going, even though I live in New York City. Um, we have Red Bull, Uber, uh, really big global brands pay us to access the, the Secret Boston community because it's such a, like an, like a authentic community. And so Living in New York City, that, you know, secret boss and running itself kind of, I thought, and I've never really wanted to build, like, treat it as a business, and that's why it stayed so successful. I thought, like, I'm leaving a lot on the table. I should, like, like, Ethereum, like, creating an Ethereum platform for Secret City sounded like a good idea. You know, like, this actually could add value as opposed to, like, trying to get value out of them. And so we proceeded to write a white paper. We did a lot of research. All, all summer long, I worked on this project. 
And so, and I learned a lot and I got really into the cryptocurrency and, the, and, and especially Ethereum game, like really deeply at the time and met with people, people, I met with people at MIT, Harvard, just to, uh, wanted them to read, you know, they had them read my white paper, wanted their opinion. And so it turns out eventually I ended up not doing that. One reason was because A, I, I don't want to live in Boston and I think it's important to be where you're, where you're growing a local thing like that. I, I don't not really, you know, I'm a fashion person. That's where my passion lies, a fashion aesthetic. And I'm not an events person. And this is going to be an events platform, basically, like having, like allowing the community to host events and, and content and get financially incentivized to do so in Ether. And then three, the my partner in, in it was, he and I kind of like at the very end disagreed on how it should go, it should be like, I wanted a hundred percent decentralized. He wanted it to be somewhat centralized to make more money. And so long story short, I ended up pivoting from that. In the meantime, while I was building this, I had just learned like the, the idea of disintermediation was starting to come, become clear to me. I was really, um, although I understood Ethereum and blockchain, basically intellectually, it takes a while to start to, to understand these things as a concept, like really understand what it, how it can change things. So the idea of disintermediation started really, you know, it was on my mind a lot. Like casting, well, it wasn't called casting coin then, but like in the middle of building Secret City, I was like, imagine doing this. Imagine disintermediating like agent, the talent agent model. Like that to me, because I live in this world, is ripe for disruption. More as much as anything ever has been, um, it's an old archaic system that's propped up by like really really weak things, um, namely gatekeeping and payroll. And so um, re- when I no- realized that, I was like, "That's what I should be doing." And so we quickly pivoted and started focusing 100% on casting on coin, and that's where I am right now with it. And in itself, has p- pivoted. Like I, I am actually, you know, I'm positioning myself partly for marketing reasons and partly because I have such a passion for it, but positioning myself as a, a leading female voice in blockchain. And I've realized the more I talk at, you know, speak at, you know, I have two speaking engagements this week doing this. I am learning about it. It's such a new field that like, you have to talk about this all the time. Your concept of money changes your, your concept of like every, like it's, it is more, the blockchain is more, transformative and different disruptive than even the web itself was in the 90s and so this journey has been so interesting for me and i'm like and i love being on it and it's not i'm not stopping i have so much more to learn so right now we you know we just we have three people on the team right now we're recruiting two more we're raising money and the model is really fleshing out. I'm actually not doing an ICO. Um, I've, I've decided that specifically not to. I was totally going to. But that was when I didn't really understand. You know, I like, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't have anything against and I, I go, I might do one later. I might do one in, when I have a product. But right now, we're going a more traditional route to build out like an MVP. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just really changing how... People engage and how people manage money within the, that system that's so traditional. Uh, I think it's very exciting to see this just, I mean, the whole industry is pivoting. Like you were saying, you know, the way that you're having to be so agile to adjust to creating something that's really relevant. I think the whole industry is doing exactly that. You have to have the agility in order to make that happen, it seems. Definitely. Uh, and, and you need to be thinking 
you don't need to be, but any company that isn't thinking about blockchain is crazy. And a lot of people still have never even heard of it. People that are in business. And, and I think that's an opportunity for, for us. Yeah, that's, it's just so exciting. And I'm, I'm so happy to see that someone like you and particularly a woman is really, you know, taking a lead on this. And I was recently at a conference in Warsaw and, uh, Christine Dolan was there speaking about blockchain and it was just, there's just a lot of great women that are getting involved in blockchain. It's, it seems like this is something that's an opportunity for the feminine side of finance, the feminine side of business to really excel because you know, you have to be, you have to be able to pivot like that. Mm-hmm. Casting coin is, um, like I said, it, we're, we're starting with models and connecting models and brands and allowing them to do business directly on our platform. Um, but it's eventually going to open up to all talent in, in like a photo shoot ecosystem or, or even like actors, any talent really. And how we're leveraging the blockchain is like very specific. We're not just trying to like wrap an idea on the blockchain because it's like hot. Like we're actually, you know, we're solving for payments, identity and ratings and, and all, all these things that are like that are cor- highly corruptible when there's a third party involved, a, a quote unquote trusted third party. On our platform, it's all happening on the blockchain. And so it's trustless. Nice. And I mean, it sounds like it's going to create a big power shift that might even link in with some of the other real current issues that we're dealing with in the entertainment industry. So we're, t- we're thinking about that. Absolutely. The opportunity. And, you know, on our platform with the rating, like you'll be able to anonymously rate, like talent will be anonymously rating each other. And so, you know, like if, if photographer is creepy photographer is, is behaving badly, it's going to affect their rating. Just like when you, you know, your Uber driver, you know, if you have a bad rating, your Uber driver is not going to pick you up. If you have a bad rating, no one's going to hire you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's, it's democratization. <laughs> it is. It is. That's, that's why I always say that about the blockchain. It's the, the democratization. It's the first time for a possibility of true democracy. Yeah. That's so exciting. It's very, very cool. So on a, on a little bit of a shift on sort of where, you know, you've come from that, it's, you told a little bit about your story, like coming from uh, fashion photography and an interest in technology and the overlap of technology and, and the fashion industry, and obviously the networking community. What do you think stands out for you in terms of a shift in your relationship with technology over the course of your career? The iPhone. Yeah. I would say the iPhone is, is the, had changed my life more than anything physically as a product, you know, as, more than anything before or after. It, it changed my life. And, and it a lot, it, like that was, a, that leveled the playing field for a lot of people in terms of being able to, cre- to connect, create content, turned you into a superhero, you know? Was that 07? Yeah, I would say I would say the iPhone. Do yeah. you do you agree? Or how, what do you? What's yours? Well, I mean, in terms of the relationship with technology, I would say that gosh, there's so many. There's been so many different triggers, but certainly, the smartphone has really changed just the accessibility to that relationship, and so it's become more intimate because it's something that you carry with you everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. I carried a mobile phone before, but it was you know you leave it in your bag and forget about it, but now it's your you know, it's your plane tickets, everything. So right. you're totally, you know, it's your, it's your, your phone, but it's mm-hmm. also your 
camera and it's, you know, it's everything. So absolutely. I think that that, that relationship became far more intimate and integrated into the ability to live professionally and also stay in contact with, you know, your level the playing field. Sure. Absolutely. Were you an early, uh, an early adopter in all technologies, do you think? Or is that something that you took on later in life because of just okay. the phone, oh, the iPhone? Uh, I'd say always. I think because I, you know, I came to New York City for college, everything was accessible to me. So I just did that. And so it was normal. And then, and then I was always drawn to tech. I loved it. I always, I, you know, I've been using Photoshop since I was in high school and, um, and, and I just like took to it. It wasn't something that I, I ever was afraid of. You know, I, I definitely, we all know people that especially, you know, like people, if, if you're like not, you know, at 22, if you're a little older, we all know people that are afraid of technology a bit like, Oh, I don't know that, you know, our parents, maybe, Oh, I don't want to do that. And I don't need that. I never felt that way. I was in a, I didn't have an, a fear, a sense of fear about it. I was like, yes, I want more. I love VR. I love AI. I can't wait. Can't wait to see what the next five years is going to bring. Yeah. No, I think there's some really exciting things in the, in the loop and, and particularly having just been at CES and seeing all of the really cool stuff that's happening in AI and VR. It's, uh, it's very exciting. The potential is incredible. I'm curious because you touched a little bit on sort of other people's response to, you know, whether it's anxiety or fear around technology. You know, not everybody in fashion or in the entertainment industry that you're serving may have, you know, maybe they don't have the, that same level of comfort with technology. Have you come up with any, come up across any resistance in terms of, you know, where you're going or in when you're delivering products or services using technology for your population? So when it comes to casting coin, not yet. And I'm not that concerned about it for two reasons. One, models are generally tech savvy. And the, the second reason is because I think that it's a train that just is not stopping. So if you, if you don't get on, you're just going to get left behind. And so, you know, something interesting, uh, Ford Models just relaunched a website. And um, I was actually on a photo shoot. I'm a fashion photographer, too. And I was on a photo shoot recently. And the models were from Ford. And I was telling them about Casting Point, of course. And, um, you know, they were talking about how Ford's uh, website was down for like three months. And they just relaunched it. So I went and looked into it last night. And they actually hired Fabian Barron, who is like this, you know... God of like, he's probably the most famous living graphic designer in the world, hired him from the 90s. He redid Harvard's Bazaar in the 90s. That's how I know him. I remember him from uh, Interview Magazine. And so hired him to redo their website and they just relaunched it. So those two things, one, okay, it was down for three months. It's crazy. Two, they hired a Fabian Barron. It was probably a multi-million dollar website launch, if not more. And it's not on the blockchain. And I'm like, like the, all I think of when I look at that and I think it, it, it is like in 1994 investing in a fax machine instead of a modem. That's exactly what that's like. I am not afraid of those people. Like, please. <laughs> you be afraid of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and I don't think people see it. It's like, yeah. to me, it's not, it's not like early days, although it kind of is. To them, it hasn't even started. And like, 
So I'm encouraged. Yeah, no, I think, you know, it's easy for us that are, that are caught in it and are, are really moving with the tide to assume that everybody's moving with that tide until you see someone on the shore that's whizzing away, you know, and they're sort of, well, I'm taking two steps forward towards you. It's like, well, you're not even in the water. (laughs) It is so true. And, and then like, I I like to notice stuff like that and I keep my eyes on my own page and just go forward. They can do what they want. I have a feeling they're going to be coming to us at some point. Yeah, well, it sounds like they should. It yeah, sounds like they should. Definitely. <laughs> this episode is being brought to you by Zero to Launch in 14 Days, the premier podcast training course for anyone wanting to get their message out to the world in a bigger way. Podcasting is growing by leaps and bounds, and for a good reason. It's the one medium left to the individual, the independent, and the soloist. You don't need a big team, or any team at all for that matter, and you can jump right in there next to NPR, Tony Robbins, and every other well-known name to be included in the mix. This easy-to-podcast course was created by my mentor, Michael Neely, and the fact that you're listening to me right now is proof he knows what he's doing. Go to www.michaelneely.com. Or click on the link in my show notes to sign up for a podcast launch breakthrough session so you can learn how to get your own show up and running with minimal investment and maximal ease. In this personal breakthrough session with Michael, he'll answer your questions and give you direction on proven techniques for creating, growing, and monetizing a successful podcast. Don't wait any longer. Sign up for your free call today and see how the Zero to Launch in 14 Days program can help you get your message heard. I'm curious because you also are still doing the the fashion photography. Has that changed much for you in terms of how you communicate or distribute your content or interact with your, your clients or, I mean... For some people, they have no problem with the software side, but they're, you know, they, they're challenged by the technology, the, the, the physical hardware, and then mm-hmm. that's constantly changing. Do you find that there's a shift there that, uh, has, has disrupted your industry or disrupted your way of photography? Doing yeah. Um, I think that, I think it's going to become, is this a word decommoditized? I, I think eventually there is, it's not going to be a profession. In, in uh, two reasons. One, people are becoming way better photographers. Everyone's a good photographer now because they're just shooting all the time. And two, the iPhone is just getting better and better. I mean, like the latest version of the iPhone has this portrait mode where it just throws everything out of focus. Like that's what we do. That's how we shoot. That's what I do with my, you know, my, what is it? My $6,000 Canon with that nice lens. Although mine's a little, you know, mine is higher quality, but that doesn't matter in today's fast consuming world when you're not printing a magazine, you're, you're doing your photos on the web and it's just gone in a minute. Why would you invest in that? So I think that, I think, I think that photography is no, fashion photography is not going to be a commodity anymore soon. Interesting. And it, and that sounds like, so a lot of that comes from the whole sort of Snapchat and selfies and just getting Instagram. So used to, yeah, Instagram. Just People can getting shoot. so used to taking great pictures. I mean, I used my new iPhone in portrait mode over the holidays and took a couple photos and like People I'm so were good. commenting not on the content or the, you know, what was happening in the photo. They're like, oh my God, is that the new iPhone? Was that taken with yeah. the new iPhone? What an awesome picture. 
It's true. <laughs> it's kids and- sitting in a, you know, apres ski. But it's, you know, they notice there's an incredibly noticeable difference. And it's still just within that thing that we keep in our pocket. Yep. It's the kiss of death. Uh, it is. Yeah. Well, you still have the eye, though. You still have the eye. That came. That comes with skill and training, I think. It does, but I just don't think it's as high valued anymore mm-hmm. because it's in the stream for so short a time. Interesting. I mean, I love that. I, I still love being a photographer. I love it. Like, I just would never count on it as, as a profession. Yeah. So where where do you see casting coin going? You were talking a little bit about going beyond the the fashion industry and moving into entertainment and, and mm-hmm. perhaps other areas. Where would you like to see it in? Two years, five years. Uh, in all areas of creative. So anywhere somebody needs an agent, that's we would solve that in the creative field. So anything on a photo shoot, anything on a film shoot, that's pretty much it. And in, in, in that pl- our platform would be dealing with everything that from what I said, but also like digital rights as well. That's one of the big things that like models have to deal with. That's perfect for the blockchain, you know, uh, you know validating and, and verifying ownership. Mm-hmm. And and that will be all within the models. Like, like, I mean, I like to talk about just the model now because that's how we're launching. So that'll be just, that'll be all within the model's profile that she will own all the data and she'll, we don't own it. She owns it because it's a decentralized platform. She owns it and she licenses that will to whomever she wants. The brands will know what like her score is, the rating, but they don't know all the details unless she li- licenses it to them. And then as far as like the digital rights, like typically a model, like when she shoots, like it's for six months or a year. So after that year, that like that, the rights to that image will go back into her profile. And then if anyone uses it again, because it will be on the blockchain, people will know it will, it will be technically like somebody it's used. They'll be able to, she'll be able to know that they did. And well, for them to use it, they'll have to pay her automatically. So it's like an, so like an ether with the token. Yeah. And so it's an automatic, you know, revenue stream that she or he gets from their imagery for the rest of their life. It it doesn't exist right now. Yeah. I mean, it's the most, all of the, there's so many aspects of the modeling industry that is so broken more than almost any, the more research I do, Heidi, it's unbelievable. Like, do you know what the median income for a model is in the United States? Scared to ask. $10 an hour. (laughs) And in about z- like 0.01% of the models that make over $100,000 a year, it's very, like a very small amount make over 100000 and 20% of them are indebted to their agent. And they, you know, in the, in the lack of transparency and billing, they have the reason like the, the gate, the, um, the, the payroll issue, the reason why the agents are really valuable still to, to, is because brands don't want to open up a new W4 every time or W9 every time they hire a new model and they certainly don't want to pay insurance and they don't want to pay unemployment insurance. And so instead of doing that, they funnel it through an agent who doesn't do any of those things either. So who loses the model? And so it's it's ripe for disruption. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's definitely, I mean, I'm thinking about from the perspective of the way a lot of us that are delivering content in terms of consulting and advising, same thing. It's sort of, you know, when you're coming in as an external consultant or an independent consultant, there's, you know, there's always that sort of, you know, do you need that middleman? Do you need to go through an agency? 
or do you need to be a bigger partner? I mean, there's, I think it, there's so many different industries that are ready for that disruption that just simplifies that process mm-hmm. and eliminates the middleman, but mm. empowers the one that's actually creating the content and the, and, and also the, you know, the end receiver, the, you know, the company that's hiring them because they can make better choices based on, as you're saying, like with the reviews and, and really understanding the value that mm-hmm. they provide. It's pretty exciting. It is. It's an end-to-end solution. It's like supply chain. It is very exciting. Very exciting. It's very cool. So a little twist and more on sort of the personal level, how do you use technology personally to manage your life? And do you find you need time to log off or have you found ways to have it more seamlessly fit into your lifestyle? I guess I do. It's so important to me. I always have my laptop and my phone with me. It's like, it's an extension of me because my work is, is everything to me. I, you know, I love it and I have a healthy relationship with work. Um, every six months I go on a, a yoga retreat up at Kripalu in the Berkshires. Um, I do it in March and I do it in September. And it's like, I, in, in like, and I never, it's been probably five years now in it's four days. And I, when I check in, I, put my electronics in the safe and I don't look at it again until I leave that, that night, uh, Sunday, usually Sunday or Monday. And so that's how I deal with it on a yearly basis. And then more recently, like I, I don't watch any news at all and I don't listen to it. I have no, literally unapologetically have no idea what's going on in the world. And that started like last June because it was too upsetting and it was like, I don't like, it, I was, it was on a roller coaster. Like every morning I would listen, I listen to podcasts. That's my thing. Um, and one of the podcasts I would listen to was like the daily by the New York times. And it was like, every morning I was doing it to myself. I'd be like, Oh, like this is good news. Things are getting better. And then I'd be like crazy, you know, just like all of this politics, whatever. And so I decided very consciously to stop watching the news. And so I can tell you like months later, I'm a much happier person and I'm much, you know, I, I'm going to go on the women's march, march in New York on Saturday and stuff like that. I'm like, I, I want to help, but I'm, I'm much better in the world, um, n- happier. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing. And then the other thing I did recently is I quit Netflix altogether, any kind of like streaming content. And it is like, great because that's like I would do I'd go home at night and I'd like stream like Black Mirror or whatever the office and like turning that part off has been amazing for me it was hard it was scary at first so I was like that's what you know it's fun and I thought I was like I'm just gonna start like we're overworking but I'm not it's like some like clearing out my brain and then a third thing I do TM I, I meditate twice a day without like fail so that those things help me a lot yeah, good for you. And do you use technology to assist you in your meditation or do you do it? Uh, are you a more traditionalist in your meditation? Traditional just because it's TM and it's very specific mm-hmm. and it's very simple. I used to. I used to use the Calm app, mm-hmm. but then I then I did started doing TM last June and it's pretty simple. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever works for you, that's what's great. So one of the things I love to ask my guests is, you know, what are your favorite apps that you use that you can't live without on your phone? Well, okay. We're the ones that I open up all the time. I don't know if I love them, but I, I use Facebook because of work all the time. Instagram all the time. Recently, HQ. Are you familiar no. with HQ? It's like a, it's a daily quiz twice a day. It's made by the guys at the team that started Vine. And it is so good. I mean, it is just so, I don't know how, I don't know how they're making any money, but like the user experience is amazing. So you get an alert and then you open it up when it's like trivia time 
and they do 12 questions and like you'll see all the people there's always like almost a million people online to and there's a guy that's saying the question and then whoever you know when at the end like the whoever doesn't lose gets to split the pot and it's like i think the pot's like two thousand dollars so you get like 50 bucks but it's it's really kind of addicting so sounds like pub quiz night yeah, it's, it feels like that. And then my, and then my podcast app is probably my favorite. I love like Mark Marin. I listen to all the crypto podcasts, Unchained, Crypto 101. And yeah. Very cool. I think those are some great tips. I mean, if we can bring those, even those social interactions into apps that are sort of like the pub quiz online. I mean, what a great way to sort of engage, but when you choose and how much you choose. And, yeah. and uh, you know, we need to make time for having fun. And, you know, totally. Just, you know, that fun element is so key. And some of us get so caught up in work. So, so what do you do? What's your favorite thing to do for fun? Oh, for fun? Yeah. Let's see. Say, I love going to the gym. I love it. My, I, I love working out. I love hanging out with my friends. I live in New York City, so we have like the best, like, you know, we have, or we have great restaurants and I eat every, pretty much every meal out. I've never turned my stove on, so it's very, I actually, I use my oven for storage. It's like typical. So yeah, restaurants, stuff like that. I love it. That's great. I, I think I'm going to remember that for next time. Next time, you know, when my kids move into an apartment, don't bother. You know, there, there's extra storage there. You yeah. can use your oven. You're never going to totally. turn it on anyway, right? Oh, my God. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a piece of technology. If you're living in a city like New York, is probably pretty outdated. Um, exactly. Oh, that's so funny. Well, you know what? It has been such a pleasure having you on today. And I would just, you know, I want to just quickly ask you if you have any closing thoughts that you would like to share with the audience. And I want to make sure that they know where to find you and find the work that you're doing with Casting Coin. So can you just sure. give me a little sort of fast tips and yeah. summary so that people can find you and find out yeah. what you're doing? Definitely. Thanks. Um, so uh, castingcoin.com, please go there, sign up to our newsletter. We send out uh, emails, you know, pretty regularly, but with really cool stuff, events, uh, focus groups, things like that. And then also I am on, personally, I'm on Twitter at lovethecool, L-O-V-E-T-H-E-C-O-O-L. Um, and yeah, just come follow along. Uh, watch us build this really amazing company. Go Bitcoin. Yay. Oh, I'm very excited for you, and I can't wait to watch the progress. And maybe we'll check in again a year from now and see where it's at. Oh, please do. Yes. Yeah. celebration for you. Definitely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. This has been wonderful having you on the Evolving Digital Self podcast. And we look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye Thanks. for now. Thank you for joining us for the evolving digital self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of digital self mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.